Hello, 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 and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, a.k.a. Mufasa. And on today's episode, I'm going to be speaking about the Champions League. Uh, we are at that stage where things are getting very, very serious as the quarterfinals, the first legs are done and dusted. Interesting results, some not as, as interesting, some very, very predictable results. However, however... That City versus Bayern game was quite was a little bit of a surprise. Going to be speaking about that. Chelsea versus Madrid, uh, as well. That's on that side of the tie. On the other side of the tie, Benfica Inter, Napoli Milan. Interesting. Um, so going to be speaking about that on the eve of the second legs. Oh, there's going to be some tears in the next two days. It's going to be very very interesting. Just for. A little bit of a, a yardstick uh, in the calendar. I am recording this on a Monday night, so there is Champions League going to be happening. I don't know what's going to happen. I need to record. I need to uh, edit this, so that's going to have to happen um, at some point from Tuesday onwards. So I don't know what's what's happening by the time this releases. In other news, as well, going to be speaking about what's been going on in the Premier League. Lots of. Top four is Lava-isms from uh, some clubs. Newcastle losing at the weekend, 3-0 to Aston Villa. Aston Villa, by the way, geez. Going to be speaking about that. So a little bit on the top four race, which looks a little bit more cut and dry than it did a few weeks ago. Uh, Speaking about the Liverpool midfield uh, conundrums, uh, uh, some of the more recent tactical uh, goings-on that Klopp is probably trying since the season looks like it's pretty much done. I'm going to be speaking about that as well as some of the rumors, transfer rumors, lots of transfer news, and speaking about the top, the top, tippy-top of the table, Arsenal, oh my goodness gracious me, Gunners fans, hold your breaths. Whew. It's going to be a very, very, very tense couple of days, couple of weeks uh, leading up into that game at the Etihad. It's going to be wild. And just touching on the absolute monster that is Erling Haaland and the, the, the other London top six teams are just trash right now. I'll touch on them just a little bit. But first things first, starting out with the City versus Bayern Munich game. Now, this game was an extremely high level of football. I mean, in the very beginning, there was frantic pressing back and forth. It was end-to-end. Lots of world-class players all over the pitch. Phenomenal stuff. Um, City opened the scoring to Rodri. An absolute peach from the outside of the box with his left foot. You, If you're Bayern Munich and you're Tommy T, you're probably looking at that and saying, okay, sweet, we started this game really well. Um, we are under under the cosh a little bit. Man City have a world-class team and they're clicking at the perfect moment. The absolute perfect moment to peak to to they're in their red hot form right now they won after the Bayern Munich game at the weekend 3-1 uh, Erling Haaland is on absolute fire Whew. so you got to think about it from that perspective and be like okay sweet in the first 20 25 minutes we're in the game everything's going well if we can take a decent result back home we'll back ourselves in the Allianz Arena with Bayern fucking Munich FC Hollywood, baby. Shout out to my man, Saadio Mane, who's uh, out here boxing uh, people. 
<laughs> over there uh, in the changing room. He apparently tried to rearrange Leroy Sané's face. Um, oh, Sadio, I don't know what's going on with you. Yeah, I guess he goes on the long list of players who left Klopp's Liverpool and just haven't looked the same. Unfortunately, Jeannie Wijnaldum's also on that list. However, I digress. Bayern, I mean, if you're looking at it, Rodri scores an absolute worldie. You don't expect him to score that kind of goal too often. You're thinking, okay, sweet, let's just let's just play our way back into the game. We can get back into it if we can nick a goal here and there. They didn't create too many great opportunities, but things not too long after this essentially fell apart. So Gundogan... A, a, a fantastic volley. Um, City were dominating. Uh, what a save that was. I believe it's Jan Sommer. What a save that was. Um, from that Gundogan volley. Jeez. With, I, I believe it was with his left foot. That looked like a certain goal. And at 2-0 up, you're thinking City, City are going to cruise this. They were not to be denied, though. They were not to be denied. I mean, Holland. Uh, cross the ball for Bernardo Silva header and if Bernardo Silva is getting headers in the box you know you're in shit you know you're in shit I mean since you were completely dominant at the during this time of the game uh, not too long after that Umpamakano oh man terrible mistakes he was giving the ball away way too much it kind of I don't know if it was a a case of Bayern feeling the pressure or if it was Upamakano just a brain fart or having a really, really bad day. Um, but whatever it was, he really, really let the team down. I believe the rest of the team played pretty well. I mean, Delift has been in phenomenal form, uh, pretty much the side of the World Cup. Uh, and he, he really let them let, let them go. He, he, uh, he, he let, let his team down. Uh, it was Bernardo Silva who scored the header, actually. Um, I'm saying that, yeah. He, he, if Bernardo Silva, who's pretty short, is scoring headers in your box, that's 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 terrible news. That's terrible, terrible news. Bamakano gave the ball away. It's two nil, and then not too long after that, Erling Haaland finishes them off. He finishes fantastically at the far post. This guy, he's absolutely lethal right now. He scored, I don't know in how many games in a row. But he's on. He's clean over forty goals this season. Um, he scored again at the weekend against um, against Leicester uh, at the Etihad. He scored a penalty, and then he scored a fantastic De Bruyne to to Haaland. That connection is lethal. Anytime De Bruyne is running behind a midfield, I said this when Expo was on the podcast last week. Anytime De Bruyne is running at a back four with runners in front of him, it's always bad news. The guy has something like 15 assists this season. There were rumors, there were murmurs, there were whispers of his demise before the World Cup. He had a really shitty World Cup, the same with Belgium. He came, he's come back, and he's been instrumental in cities. Just juggernautisms at this point. I mean, they're they're rolling uh, in the league. They're rolling in the Champions League. They demolished Leipzig. Let's not forget. I think that's a game. Erling Haaland scored five goals, um, and they've just they they kicked Bayern Munich's face in here. They won the game three 0 at the end. Who's to say? 
I mean, there's there's really no reason to believe that Bayern can over overcome this deficit. They don't have the the sense of pure destiny that Liverpool had uh, when we overcame Barcelona and that was in the semi-finals, um, where we overcame Barcelona after losing three 0 at the Camp. Now I. I I don't see any other outcome than City winning it, which is interesting because initially I thought Bayern would edge this. I thought it would be a lot closer. I did not foresee Upamakano just completely dropping the ball here. Um, so it looks like City are going to go through to the semifinals. I know the second leg is coming up in the next two days. Uh, they should pretty much just wrap it up, get a nice 1-1 draw at the Allianz and call it a day. Um in the other tie in that same side of the bracket, Chelsea up against Real Madrid. Uh, this is one of those what could have been situations for Chelsea. They had a very, very early one-on-one up against Thibaut Courtois. João Felix was through on goal, essentially. He had one or two poor touches, which allowed, was it, it was either Rudiger or Militao to really catch up to him. And from there, or it could have even been David Alaba. Oh, jeez, Real Madrid have too many fantastic players in that squad. Huh. Um, and he, they put the pressure on Ja Felix. He miss. He doesn't miss it, but he shoots it straight at Courtois. Courtois makes the save. Um, and at that point, just driving home the point that Chelsea are so so wasteful they really should have whooped our asses a couple of weeks ago um when we went to the bridge they they just can't score they just do not score and and uh that's something that Todd Bowley and whoever's going to come in um now that grandpa is gone they got rid of Tommy T uh it's just pure chaos chaos FC I mean they lost recently uh, at the weekend to Brighton I figured they'd lose to Brighton Brighton are playing fantastic football at this moment in time under Deserbi uh I figured that they might fall off now that Graham Potter's gone I, I attributed that success that Brighton had that phenomenal football that they played uh to to Graham Potter, but it doesn't look, it seems like it's an institutional thing, which is great for them right now, because I'll speak about this a little bit later. Uh, back to the game here. Uh, there was a ball over the top from uh, that, that got played to Vinicius. So, Real Madrid, Real Madrid, they, essentially what they did with this game, they just controlled it. They, they knew when to step forward, when to step back, when to increase the pace, when to slow it down. It's just that pure pedigree, that experience, that, that tactical nous. Carlo Ancelotti, he, he's helped foster an environment in which these guys, like the Modric's, the Tony Cruz's, the, the Karim Benzema's, all these guys who have won Champions Leagues after Champions Leagues after Champions Leagues, they 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 just foster this mentality and this this tactical know-how that they just know what to do and when to do it and this was the exact situation here um in this game chelsea i mean they they handled chelsea with no real issues i mean the game finished 2-0 that was it i mean there was a ball over the top vinicius hit the shot uh 
there the there was a rebound and then Benzema makes it happen and from that moment on you just knew Roma Jura done. This is game over. This is pretty much it. Um Chelsea they they had a few situations that you could I mean on another day they might be able to put it in but those days are few and far between for this Chelsea team that attack needs help they need a deadly finisher or two um, they need uh, maybe an Nkunku I mean Nkunku's put up numbers over there at Leipzig uh, especially last season uh, I don't know if how I mean I th- I'm going to just assume that they're going to get him if they bring him in in world class number 9 they could they could do some damage I mean this team they're an absolute shambles at the moment but we shouldn't be surprised if that turnaround is swift um and quick especially if they get the right manager in uh yeah however this season they're absolute garbage and Real Madrid essentially finished them off with Asensio um, into the bottom corner. It was a gorgeous corner move. Uh, it was a short corner, quickly taken, good, crisp passing, boom, 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 around the box and then Asensio puts it home. 2-0, you, I mean, they, I figured Real Madrid would breeze through this tie and that's pretty much coming to pass. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the second leg 1-0. Just a nice, simple 1-0. Vinicius scores and game over. Chelsea's season is over. Chelsea's season has been over for months now. Pretty much since they sacked Tommy T. Uh, It seems like the players down tools from that day onwards. Um... But yeah, it looks like it's going to be Real Madrid versus Man City. Man City look like the best team in the world right now. Um, uh, I've I've watched them quite a bit. I watched them absolutely dismantle Bayern. I know Upamakano gave them a helping hand, but they were lights out. It it looked like the standard of football was was the highest level. It, it looked like um, for Premier League fans who who have been who have been following the club versus Pep. Um, Liverpool versus Man City rivalry um, or or competition that uh, or or you know those games that you, you saw at the Etihad or at Anfield where you kind of felt that this is these are two of maybe three or four of the best teams in the world playing and they play each other twice a year minimum. It felt like that kind of game, especially in the beginning. But as time went on, it it kind of showed that Bayern aren't at that level right now. Um, they haven't been since 2020, to be honest, uh, which is why they went out to Villarreal last season, which is why they, I mean, y- I wouldn't see them beating Real Madrid either. So their story was going to end either this round or next round in my eyes. Now, on the Real Madrid side of things, I mean, Chelsea, there's a pretty easy draw for them. And they absolutely walloped Barca <laughs> in the Copa del Rey. I haven't spoken about this, but that was a, a shock, an absolute shock. It kind of felt like watching the United versus Liverpool game at Anfield where it didn't make any sense how this team who have only conceded nine goals in the league and Barca have still only conceded nine goals in the league, I believe 30 games in. How did they concede four at home after winning the first leg away at the Bernabeu, just ridiculous stuff. It didn't make any sense. 
it looks like Real Madrid are on for at at the very least the Copa del Rey, which I have. I know Real Madrid. They're they're they have kryptonite to it. They have uh, Copa del Rey is lava type situation when it comes to the Copa del Rey. Um, however, they have a golden opportunity to win that competition, and they probably will. They're going to the semifinals for sure. However, the question being, can they get past this Man City team? I think it's going to be a titanic clash. I felt last season, and I did say this to uh, Expo in our episode a few weeks ago, two episodes back, that last season, 21-22, I felt that if Man City had a deadly striker, they probably would have put Real Madrid away in the first leg. They now have a deadly striker and they're playing the best football that they've played all season. So that's going to be an incredible clash. Incredible, incredible clash. On the other side of the bracket, though, I think there's still a toss-up between Milan and Napoli. Um, Napoli lost at the San Siro uh, uh, do, do, do. Um, um, it's escaping me who scored that goal but it was a really good uh, I think the keeper probably should have made the save but Napoli are down a couple of players they need Osimhen back they're missing I believe through suspension a couple of players some players are injured so things could really just randomly work out for Milan here that Champions League heritage that um uh, that almost just know-how within the club's DNA, uh, I think they might be able to get this one done. And I'm, I'm quite surprised. Uh, it just looks, if Napoli, if they don't get Osimhen back, it could be a golden opportunity for Milan here because they have something to hold on to. If they didn't have anything to hold on to, I would back Napoli, no questions asked. However, they've beaten Napoli twice in a row, including in Naples, 4-0 in the league. Ridiculous stuff. However, that does put a tiny bit of doubt in the minds of the players because they're like, geez, these guys have beaten us twice in a row, uh, including an absolute humiliation in the Diego Armando Stadium in our home patch. Wh- how are they going to react? Uh, I think they're going to be absolutely up for it. The crowd are going to be absolutely up for it. Milan, if they can stifle that team, ooh, it's it's going to be a very, very spicy one. But I could see Milan going through, but I, I still have to back Napoli. I think they will they might win the game in something like 3-1. Uh, go through, play Inter in the semis, because Inter beats Benfica in the other quarterfinal, the th- fourth and final quarterfinal that I need to speak about. And they beat Benfica 2-0 uh, in in Lisbon. Or, yeah, I believe Benfica's in Lisbon. So they beat Benfica at Benfica 2-0. They sh- I don't see them dropping. I don't see them... Uh, uh, Faltering there, I see Inter going through to the semi-final. First semi-final for them, I believe, since the Mourinho treble 2010 year with Diego Milito uh, scoring twice against Bayern Munich to win that final. Uh, Samuel Eto playing as a left winger. <laughs> uh, that was quite the team. And Wesley Schneider uh, playing at a Ballon d'Or level for at least one season. Phenomenal player. Um, 
especially that season. Actually, quick anecdote, I saw him play in the World Cup in at Soccer City in 2010, of course, and they played against Denmark. Uh, Netherlands won that game too. No, I think Dirk Kart was also playing that game. Um, quick anecdotes over now uh, into the Premier League. So I do think, just quickly to wrap up on, on the Champions League, I see Real Madrid versus, versus uh, Man City. That one's a toss-up. I don't know. Um, and on the other side of the bracket... Napoli versus Inter, I think Napoli overcome the deficit to Milan, Napoli versus Inter, Napoli still go through to the final, Real Madrid go to the final, and then Napoli win on penalties, something like that. Still still backing my, my initial predictions, except that Bayern, they're done, they're wrapped up. Um, on to the Premier League, I'm going to start at the top of the table and then move down because my, oh my, Arsenal Football Club, don't tell me, don't tell me that you guys are doing this again. We saw this last season where they completely buckled under the pressure of making top four. It seems as though they are doing the exact same thing. Listen, at Anfield... Uh, and I mentioned this, I mean, this this game we were recording at the time during the game. The game finished 2-2, so, and at the exact same time, so, Arsenal should have lost that game. Konate had a phenomenal opportunity to win the game for us, to come back from 2-0 down against the league leaders, the table toppers, um, and to win the game. This is a Liverpool team who are in eighth. We are absolute garbage. Um, uh, our phenomenal uh, four results aside in which we scored more than six six or more goals, which is pretty pretty wild if you actually think about it. Um, I mean, we beat Man United 7-0. We beat uh, uh, Southampton or no, no, Bournemouth 9-0. And then Bournemouth beat us. <laughs> So, I mean, what's the point? We beat Leeds today, 6-1. Um, shout out to Diogo Jota for breaking a scoring duct. He scored two today. He got an assist. Great performance from him. In any case, Arsenal really should win that game. Arsenal at 2-0 up, you have to win that game. Shaka does a little something stupid, riles the crowd up, and then once Anfield gets going, there's no stadium on this planet like it. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Arsenal, however, this is a team that, that they're seeking to win the title. I've seen United teams come to Arsenal, uh, come to Anfield, handle business they they would win games when they when if if i mean think about it so alex ferguson team coming to anfield they go up uh 2-0 in the first 20 minutes they win that game no matter what no matter what i've seen chelsea teams come to liverpool chelsea title winning teams come to liverpool they get an advantage they hold that advantage they stick it out um Man City are the one outlier where uh, in terms of teams that have dominated the league in recent years, in the past 20 or so years, whereby they they, they just can't get wins at Anfield. It doesn't make any sense sometimes because there have been very, very poor Liverpool teams, but somehow, some way we are 
never lose to them. The only loss that we've had in the past, what, 22, 23 years against Man City is the game during the COVID season. So 2021, when there were no fans. Um, but the second the fans came back, draw and then a win. Um, so they're the only outlier, but any other title, title chasing, title winning team, if you get if you go 2-0 up, you have to win the game. Have to win the game. Um so they dropped that lead. I mean, you can kind of explain it away. It's Anfield. Arsenal haven't won at Anfield since I believe 2014-2015 season. Um and so you can kind of forgive it. You can kind of be like, all right, cool. It's it's a once in a while we drop two points. That sucks. You come by the exact next week up against West Ham, you had a full week of rest, and then you do the exact same thing. The exact same thing. They start lights out, there's 25 or so minutes, phenomenal stuff. They're up 2-0. West Ham pegged them back. They they get to 2-1, and you're thinking, surely they're not going to do it again. Surely they're not going to do it again. Saka, there's a penalty. Saka steps up. You're thinking, I mean, you know, this young man, he's put away pressure penalties recently. Um, and he, he's gone on to become a, 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 a player who deserves the stature of best player at the club type. Um, star boy, uh, Bukayo Saka steps up and he misses a penalty. Not long after that, Jared Bowen strikes. 2-2 two, two to West Ham. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> two two, but yes, it it's essentially two two to West Ham. <laughs> yes, so how how do you explain this? If you're Mikel Arteta, how are you explaining this? Because at this moment in time, they would have been had they won both of those games, they would have been on seventy eight points, and Man City could have been on. Uh, if they win their game in hand on 73 points. At this moment in time, Arsenal on 74 points. Man City on 70 points with a game in hand. If you're assuming they win that game in hand, it's a one-point difference. This is a Man City team who just who just embarrassed Bayern Munich. They put seven past Leipzig, who are, what, third in the Bundesliga. They They tore Liverpool to shreds. Recently, they are looking like they are invincible at this moment. Not necessarily invincible, but they are playing lights out week in, week out, game in, game out. Um, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of Europe's best. Uh, I'll say Bayern Munich. I, I can't say much about Liverpool at the moment. But they look fantastic. Jack Grealish killing it. Erling Haaland cannot stop score scoring i said he scored against brighton uh against leicester he's on 32 premier league calls so he's equaled Mohamed salah's 38 game season record he's going to break it he's going to break andy calls and and alan shearer's he's going to probably get 36 37 league goals shit he could get more he could get about 40 <laughs> wow what a player um and the question being, how does Arteta, uh, how does he get them going again? I mean, they play against Southampton, which is a fantastic game. 
or it could be the absolute worst game. So they play Southampton on Friday at the Emirates. Uh, so no more away days, no more tough grounds. You don't have to go to Anfield. You don't have to go to a London rival. But you have to go play against a team who are fighting for their lives. They will do anything to win that game. And if you show the lack of um, lack of tactical nous, that Real Madrid-ism that I was explaining earlier about how to how, knowing how to control a game. If you, I mean, and Arsenal haven't been there; they haven't won titles on titles and Champions Leagues on Champions Leagues, so they haven't been in these high-pressure situations. This is their first season as this current crop of players to take this step um, and challenge for the biggest trophies. So it, it, we, I think it's safe to say that they don't have that, that uh, tactical nows. It's going to be tough. It's going to be extremely difficult for them. Um, I wish them all the best. They probably beat Southampton and then they have to go to the Etihad and they have to not lose. And the Arsenal that played against Liverpool and the Arsenal that played against West Ham, they lose at the Etihad against Man City. So they need to rediscover the form that they had about two months ago, pretty much. That That's what has to happen. Um, good luck to you guys. Good luck to the Gunners because ooh, that's going to be one hell of a game one hell of a game and if they don't raise their level they could get a proper smack so leaving the top of the table i unfortunately for arsenal i've been saying it for quite a while now i think man city win that game and i think man city go on to win their third in a row um, welcome to what life has been like for Liverpool supporters for the past four or five years. Arsenal fans, good luck. It's not as fun as it looks. <laughs> uh, speaking of Liverpool, um, I did mention that we absolutely smacked Leeds um, today. Very, very, I mean, encouraging performance. We didn't start too well. We didn't create anything. Uh, and then... Leeds kind of fucked up a few times. They gave up two quick goals. And then next thing you know, uh, Konate gave them a, a quick outlet back into the game. But Leeds just, they, they weren't anywhere today. They Their defense was atrocious, pretty much. Probably one of the worst defenses you'll see in the Premier League. Um, and the lads had a field day. Salah had two. Uh, he might have had an assist as well. Trent was playing as an inverted fullback. I don't know how I like it. I, I, I mean, I like it for Trent. And this is one of those things which we'll probably discuss a lot more if Klopp employs this strategy um, more so throughout the rest of the season. And then into the summer, we'll see... Um, if Klopp likes this and maybe he might bring in a new right back to play or maybe Joe Gomez might play right back a little bit more Trent playing as a CDM slash box-to-box midfielder I mean a lot of people have been saying that that's something that's his most natural progression and now at 24 he's been getting exposed time after time this season uh, as a defender Maybe now's the right time to move him into midfield. We can start playing a double pivot a little bit, bring in a number 10, uh, or we could possibly even just play with two attacking eights and he can be a more attacking eight. Um, 
yeah, so it's been interesting to watch him play as an inverted fullback playing next to Fabinho, essentially, um, with Henderson, with Creep right white, uh, wide right, <laughs> um, and Salah also providing with there. Uh, I don't like it because it brings Konate, who he has to cover essentially the right, the left wing. The opposing team's left wing, which is, uh, it's a lot. He does it extremely well because he's really, really good in one-on-ones in general. Um, his mistake aside today, which was more build-up play, um, he's he's been our best defender, I believe, all season, to be honest. Virgil van Dijk losing a step, losing a, a bit of his aura, but Konate has been, looked fantastic. He was really good against Arsenal. Um, he was very good today as well against Leeds. Um, so, uh, I just do, I just don't like how exposed it leaves that side of the field with Trent essentially doing whatever the fuck he wants. And Trent had a, a, a plethora of passes. Some of his, I mean, his, his through ball at the end for the sixth goal for Darwin Nunes to score, who by the way has double digit goals. Um, it, it, it was just gorgeous stuff. And Maybe Trent playing in midfield, uh, all those people have been saying this for all this time. That might just be it. That could be it. I mean, he kind of ended the game playing alongside Thiago. They're in the, uh, as a double pivot. Hey, we'll see, we'll see what happens for, throughout the rest of the season, but I'd like to see more. Let me just say it like that. I'd like to see more. I mean, he played as an inverted fullback pretty much against uh, Arsenal. We didn't lose the game, but we were exposed quite a bit. We're seeing, we've seen Man City do this a lot more this season. Uh, Klopp is basically copy pasting that situation. Uh, so uh, I'd like to see more, but uh, I'd like to see how we would deal defensively better because I don't think leaving Konate on an island like that is is going to be a winning strategy going forward. But Klopp is the he's the guy I trust him so I'm interested to see what's happening with that um however the thing a lot of uh the news revolving Liverpool as well right now at the moment is the situation with midfield so with within the midfield and the rebuild that that's going to be the center of attention throughout the rest of the summer or throughout the summer uh, and the transfer window Jude Bellingham is not coming to Liverpool. That's that's what the word is at the moment. Our tier one sources are saying that Jude Bellingham is not coming to Liverpool. Liverpool are essentially dropping out of the race at the moment. That leaves two options, essentially. Either Jude leaves this summer and he goes to Man City for, what, £130 million or whatever the fuck they want. Um, which is a tremendous fee. That's a massive, massive fee. Or, uh, so either Man City or Real Madrid, or even, uh, I don't think Chelsea will come in for him. They've spent way too much. United, they they probably need, they need a number nine. They probably, they're going to be looking at maybe a center back, maybe a right back. Um, so they they probably have a few more concerns than midfield, especially after they brought they brought in Casemiro and Christian Eriksen this uh, past 
off-season. So I don't see United going in for him. Uh, although if if you give them if you give them a sniff, and if the takeover is completed by the end of the season, I mean they they could they could come calling, but. The other option, I think, for Jude Bellingham, I think he either goes to Man City or Real Madrid, one of those two, or he stays at Dortmund for another year. He's 19. He's young. Uh, it would make sense for him to stay. I think he can develop even more. He'll play every game. Will he play every game at Real Madrid? I mean, if guys like Kamavinga, who's phenomenal. What a player that kid is. Uh, he's been playing left back recently. And... He's looked great there. Uh, listen, he's looked great as a CDM playing left back. Um, fantastic stuff. Uh, just quick reminder, he played in that position in the World Cup final as well. Um, not from the start, but he, he came on. Uh, so if if a guy like Kamavinga isn't starting in that Real Madrid team, and I saw, I believe, Modric is getting a new deal at least for one more year, Um my, uh, Tony Cruz getting another deal, uh, another year on his deal as well. So you're kind of thinking Jude could wait another year, um, potentially go to Real Madrid, take over from Modric, or go to Man City. Um, City probably have the capabilities to spend for him, but will they want to? Who knows? I mean, Gundogan's most likely going to be leaving if Bernardo Silva leaves too. They might be the only ones to come knocking, and Dortmund will shell up for a good 120, 130. So that's a shame for Liverpool supporters, but it was a pipe dream from the jump. Um, and the tr truth be told, we need more than just one. More than just one generational talent. We need a couple of players because our midfield has fallen apart and Ox, Cater, and Milner are probably all going to be gone. So that's three players. We can't replace three players with one, um, even if he's a magnificent player. So it makes sense. I know a lot of Liverpool supporters are quite touched about this, but... It makes sense to me. Like, I, I can't be mad. Um, and we've been linked recently uh, in the past couple of days, about a week, to McAllister. Alexis McAllister is over there at Brighton, won the World Cup. He's He looked really, really, really good at, during the World Cup. Uh, that Argentina team, after the Qatar loss, looked phenomenal throughout the, uh, after the Saudi Arabia loss. My bad. Um, they looked phenomenal after after that. So he could be interesting coming from Brighton. Uh, he's probably going to cost a pretty penny, but that's that's just the price of doing business these days. Uh, the other one is Ryan Graven, Graven Burke, um, plays for Bayern Munich. He hasn't gotten the playtime uh, that you would expect, but I mean, with Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka playing as a double pivot, not too many other players are going to play that. Um, but if Gravenberg probably starts for Liverpool um, over Henderson, over... Uh, maybe not Henderson. Yeah, it would depend. But he play a lot of games. He play a lot of games. So those are some encouraging names that we're seeing. Uh, if we can get a lot of business done early in the window, I think that'll satisfy a lot of Liverpool supporters because... There's a lot of this growing angst and anxiety amongst the fan base based upon the people who post online and the league table, pretty much. Yeah, because uh, you've been shocking this year.
Um, so just to end off, I mentioned Chelsea. They're terrible. Um, the other London top six team uh, who I haven't spoken about at all is Spurs. They lost at home to Bournemouth. Poor, poor loss. And they were ecstatic. They looked like they were pulling clear of their relegation zone. Uh, Spurs. I mean, Newcastle lost 3-0 against Aston Villa. I mentioned this earlier. Um, yeah. If there's ever an opportunity to really just stick your hand up and be like, hey, we're going to make top four and we should be there. They did it last season, but Antonio Conte is gone. Um, and Spurs, are, are, they're Spurs, man. They're Spurs. I, I remember I, I watched a little bit of this game and I figured pretty much the entire time that, okay, yes, yeah, Spurs are going to drop points here. It doesn't matter what's about to happen. Spurs are going to drop points. And lo and behold, Spurs, they drop points. Um, what else What else can you expect from Tottenham? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because if Harry Kane leaves, they could just completely fall off. And who knows, Brighton could take their spot. Or actually, more likely Newcastle will take their spot as a top six team and it's going to remain top six and Spurs are just going to dip right out of that and go to that Aston Villa level. Um, ooh. Uh, that's a pretty bleak prediction, but they, they need to get this manager pick right. Very right, very quickly. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in, who Chelsea bring in as well. Um, Liverpool with our midfield. Arsenal, oh man, can they keep it up? And United are just chugging along, trying to deal with all the injuries. Uh, Sevilla gave them that Sevilla game was ridiculous. Uh, they they scored four goals and the game ended two two. Wow, unlucky. Uh, but Sevilla in the Europa League, good fucking luck. Uh, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, days and dems, I leave you. Very much looking forward to every single day of football right the way through to next week very much my favorite time of the year things matter uh, uh seasons are made seasons are broken it's ridiculous i love it so much uh on that note ladies and gentlemen days and dams i leave you you all have a fantastic day whenever this podcast reaches your ears and take care